Last Sunday, Mowgli started a series on Isaiah 58. Um, and while this isn't technically a part of that series, it flows perfectly um, from what he talked about last week. So that's just a little plug. If you weren't here last week and want to hear about it, anywhere that you listen to podcasts, um, you can find Heritage Fellowship Sermons. Um, so you can look that up if you missed last Sunday. It was kind of almost an introduction to today. Um, Mowgli talked about the first seven verses of Isaiah 58. Um, and verse 6 and 7 um, say, Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, um, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Um, That first little bit of Isaiah 58 reminded me a lot of the first chapter of Isaiah. The first 16 verses um, talk a lot about the the same issues that the first six verses in, in 58 talk about. Just the fact that the church essentially is more concerned with rituals than love. Um, and Isaiah 117 kind of brings it a little closer to foster care and adoption. It says, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, and to plead the widow's cause. So that's what what we hope to do. We hope to bring um, justice to the fatherless, to correct oppression, to seek justice, and, and learn to do good. Um, so this is the part, Stephen, I'm very glad you said what you said earlier because I thought that I might be the only one um, who's not quite Christmas yet. Um, I know that's kind of an unpopular opinion, but I'm glad I'm not the only one. Um, good. Any other, any other Christmas season like December people? <laughs> I just love Thanksgiving. Um, I love Christmas. I love, I love Christmas music. I love the, the cold weather. I love eggnog. Um, I've had to stop myself from buying eggnog because I love it, but it's not that time yet. Um, it's tough. Um, but um, my least favorite part about Christmas, I'm going to use a Christmas example, so I wanted to put it out there that I'm not advocating early Christmas, Um, but my least favorite part of Christmas is wrapping presents. I'm not good at it. Um, I've gotten better throughout the years. It's not just a big old mangled mess like it used to be, but I still would much rather put something in a gift bag than try and worry about wrapping it. It never goes well. Um, They say you're only supposed to use three pieces of tape but they don't say how big that tape can be. They don't say where that's supposed to go. They don't even say what kind of tape. I've used the big clear packing tape to kind of cover up a lot of issues and, and stuff like that. Um, but one, I think, lesson that we can learn from tape um, is that tape is not useful. You can't do anything with a roll of tape until it's broken first. Um, you, can't, you can wrap a present, you can wrap it as perfectly as you want to, but you're not going to be able to tape it together. You're not going to be able to use that roll of tape unless you rip it, and that tape is broken first. Um, and I think that's a really good example for us. Last year in, in South Carolina, there were 38,000 investigations into um, possible abuse and neglect. Um, there are 8,600 children that experienced foster care at some point during the last year. Um, so, and you can see those wristbands over there. We're going to talk more specifically about those later. But each one of those wristbands represents one child who's in foster care in Lawrence County right now. Um, so there's 150. So those numbers kind of change a little bit day to day, but it's been about 150 kids in foster care. Um, so if those numbers don't break your heart, 
um, there are stories, and I wasn't going to share any stories because it was probably going to make me cry, um, but then this morning on Facebook, one of our really good friends from Michigan who's a foster parent um, shared, and I'm probably going to cry, so um, I just want to read a little bit of that to you. Um, With grief and sadness, baby girl will be moving to another home on Tuesday. It's been um, the number one hardest situation that my husband and I have ever had to endure. How does someone that doesn't even know this child get to decide what's in her best interest? So many times in the past few weeks, my heart has been heavy. Foster parenting is tough. I've always said that I would only adopt. They've adopted a bunch of kids from a bunch of countries. They're great people. Um, because letting any child go would be too hard. On August 18th, a month after um, baby girl was born, God had other plans. Um, so it tells a little bit of the story. It was a distant, kind of a distant relative that they didn't really know about, and they ended up caring for this baby for 16 months. Um, believe me, I'm raw, I'm angry, and I feel like baby girl was wronged. I don't think it's in her best interest to move her. Do you understand how many articles I've read on trauma, bonding, and attachment? We've lived attachment issues, we've lived trauma, and we've lived neglect. Sadly, I believe baby girl will be another statistic, and this is where the undeniable truth hurts. It hurts to know that someone may not know her needs or wants. My heart breaks to know that her cries may not be heard or understood. It hurts to know that our clan poured into her for the past 16 months, but we won't have the privilege to call her ours. That's when I have to adjust my thoughts and realize that she was never ours, but will always be his. He is the only one that can protect her. He is the only one that knows her future. He is the only one that can save her. We are only a small piece to the plan that God has for her. The decisions made on behalf of baby girl are now out of our hands. The tough part is choosing to continue to keep my anger and attitude in check. Believe me, this has opened our eyes to a much larger picture and a platform to advocate for other children. A picture of how our system is broken, warped, and unjust. This experience will forever change the way we look at foster care and how we advocate in the future. What I seem to forget is that he has each of these situations in his hand. What a hard thing to remember. So that's just one um, story that's real, um, and it's difficult. Foster care is not always pretty. There's a lot of brokenness on every side of foster care. Foster care exists because of brokenness. Um, But in that, she said some really important things, that through their brokenness, through their experience of encountering the brokenness of that baby girl, And the experience of working with the system and them leaving, their brokenness has opened them up to healing, um, to healing, to advocating for healing for other children um, in their community. So that's it's that's the the gospel is healing through brokenness. Um, Jason Johnson says says it this way: the heart of God is decisively demonstrated through the gospel. Jesus stepped into our brokenness so that we don't have to be broken anymore. That is the gospel. That is the compelling motivation behind the church's privilege to care for the vulnerable. Um, So even going back through the Old Testament, healing 
um, in communities only happened through brokenness, through the sacrifice of an animal. It had to be kind of specific conditions. And once that animal was broken, that community could experience heal- healing. Um, but once Christ came, he changed that. Um, Isaiah 53.5 But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. I'm not going to wait for that. Um, Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. By his brokenness, we experience healing. Um, And then Romans 12.1 I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Because he sacrificed for us, we should, be, we should become sacrifices. Because he brought us healing, we should bring healing. Um, and then 1 John, 13, or 1 John 3, 16 through 18. Keep an eye on your toes, Jeremy. I'm going fast. Um, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Um, And then 1 John 4, which I don't have, um, I didn't send you, but that's one of my, probably my favorite passage on love. And in that passage it says, we love because he first loved us. And that's what all of these have been talking about. We sacrifice because he sacrificed for us. We adopt because we were adopted. Um, We bring children into our homes because God brought us in. Um, So that's a little bit of the why, now the how. There's a story of three friends um, who are hiking through the woods. They come upon this river. They're looking at it. They're admiring it. And all of a sudden, one one of them sees a child floating down the river. Then they start to see more and more kids floating down the river. They're all very confused. But one of the friends jumps in the river, immediately starts pulling out as many kids as he can, putting them on the beach or the whatever. Um, another friend turns, looks, sees that a little ways downstream there's a waterfall. So he runs down there. He starts grabbing kids before they go over the waterfall, catching them at the last moment. Um, as many as he can. And the third friend looks upstream and wonders to himself, how are all these kids getting in a river? So he runs up there. He tries to figure out how kids are falling in the river to try and stop that. Um, And then eventually a nearby village kind of catches on to what's happening and they hear the commotion and they come and they, they, they start to back these guys up and then helping them pulling kids out of the river, setting up stations where they can be warmed and dried, um, helping figure out how to stop kids from falling in the river. And even though all three of those friends ran in three different directions, they were doing three different things, they're all working for a common goal. Um, Not everybody can be a foster parent. Not everybody can adopt. Not everybody can do all the things that need to be done. But everybody has a role to play. Um, Let's see. Um, 1 Corinthians 12 um, tells us about that, from, if you want to hear from the Bible and not from me. Um, so, 1 Corinthians 12, starting in chapter or 12, 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each 
is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Everybody has different strengths. Everybody has different callings. Everybody has different skills. There's a big, wide range of, of diversity of those things. But in that diversity, we need to find unity in the calling um, to help the widow and the orphan, to help the vulnerable in our community. Um, so there's three ways, just like there's three friends. Um, that wasn't a real story. It was just an example to set up some points. Um, but the, the friend who jumped in the river, that's foster care, that's adoption, that's, that's seeing kids, that's seeing the need, that's going, meeting the need. Um, there are about 150 kids in foster care in Lawrence County, and there's only about 30 licensed foster homes. Um, so only 33% of the kids that enter foster care in Lawrence County are placed in Lawrence County. Um, that means that there's about 100 Lawrence County children that are in different counties, maybe separated from siblings, far away from parents, anything they know that's familiar. Um, so, and there's research to show that the farther kids are placed away from, from their home community, the more difficult it is for them to be reunified with their parents. The more difficult family visitations are, more difficult sibling relationships can be. So we need more foster and adoptive parents in Lawrence County to keep Lawrence County kids um, close to here. Um, also, there's a, I couldn't find numbers for Lawrence County, but statewide there's 140 children available for adoption today. Um, 100 of those kids are between ages 10 and 17. So there's a big need for, for adoptive families, specifically for older kids. Um, so if that's something that you're interested in, talk to Laura Jean afterwards. Um, the, the friend who went to the waterfall. Um, 249 kids in, in South Carolina aged out of the foster care system last year. Um, kids who age out of foster care without any sort of permanency or support system face very kind of bleak outcomes. 70% um, of girls who age out of foster care will become pregnant by the age of 21. 60% of young men that age out will spend time in prison. 25% will never finish high school, and less than 3% will get a college degree. Um, so I work at Thornwell, I work with our foster care program, so it's my, part of my job to talk to prospective foster parents, people who are interested, learning more about what it means to become a foster parent. Um, this week I met with a couple, um, both of them had been in foster care as a kid. Um, as kids. One of them was in for her teenage years um, and the husband had been in foster care from the time he was three until he aged out. Um, and both of them talked about a big part of their motivation for becoming foster parents was to prepare kids for adulthood because they both felt like um, that in their, the foster homes that they were in that they weren't prepared. When they turned 18, when they left that house, they weren't prepared for what life was going to be like. Thankfully they found the right people to surround themselves with, and they're successful now. Um, and they're going to use that experience to, to become foster parents, which is huge, because a lot of people can just turn that into bitterness. Um, but there's a big need for teenagers, um, not even just foster and adoptive homes, but just mentoring, helping them to have somewhere to go for the holidays, helping them know how to apply to college or apply to a job or anything like that. Um, there's a big need because when they get down that river, they go over that waterfall. If they don't have anybody to help them out, it's not usually good. And then the friend that went upriver to figure out why they were coming in the river in the first place. 
The best way to change the numbers in foster care, the best way to, to make a difference, I feel like, is to prevent foster care from ever being needed. Um, to work with families before it gets to the point of DSS being involved. Um, so, I said there were 30, whatever it was, 38,000 um, investigations of child abuse and neglect. Um, and as a result of those investigations, 34,000 children in South Carolina were served in family preservation programs. Um, so most of the time in these situations, these kids are put in family preservation programs to try and keep families together so that foster care is never needed. Um, so a common theme through all those, all those three things is relationships. We need to build relationships um, with people, with organizations that are already doing this work um, to figure out the best way. Um, it's a, a strong TBRI concept, if you're familiar with that. But if hurts happen in the context of relationships, then healing needs to happen in the context of relationships. Um, so building relationships with people here in the church, meeting people you don't know, because um, you don't know who might be struggling, who might need help someday. Building relationships with our community um, are great ways to just be involved and to identify, identify needs um, before they get to a point of crisis. Um, so, and then all of those things need support. Need the people that come around them and support what they're doing and helping out with what they're doing, which is something that Heritage has done over the past year or so as we've kind of been figuring out our place and working our way into the foster care and adoption community. Um, if you're not aware, the third Tuesday of every month, um, we host the Lawrence County Foster Parent Association's monthly meetings. Um, so there's free childcare, there's a meal, they do a training, and it's just time for them to kind of encourage and support each other um, through that. We also have our foster closet, which is the first door on the right as you're coming in the building. Um, Heidi and some other people have worked really hard to make that room really nice. Um, and that has been a big blessing. We've heard from DSS, from people at DSS, that that room has been um, a huge help for them. Um, and also, out, even outside of the foster care world, we learned this week about a family in the community that lost their home in a house fire. And so Heidi was able to come here and get bags and bags and bags um, of clothes for their two kids. Um, so that is being used to help the foster care community and just to help our community in general. So if you've donated clothes for that, if you've washed clothes for that, if you've helped organize that in any way, thank you. Um, and if you're interested in helping out more with that, see Heidi afterwards. Um, so we talk about there's a lot of big problems, a lot of big numbers um, that are, are scared. There was supposed to be a video that played at the beginning, but it didn't work out. Um, but just the goal and the hope for what, for Lawrence County, I feel like, is we hope to, to see a day that there's more than enough. Um, more than enough help for biological families. More than enough foster and adoptive families. More than enough um, support for all of, those, all of those systems. So Stand Sunday was originally, um, it originally began on the second Sunday of November in 2004. Um, at a small church in Brownwood, Texas. Um, the pastor there, Bishop Aaron Blake, he was headed to church. He had a sermon planned. God talked to him and said, don't talk about that, talk about this. Um, he 
it was a foster, is a foster and adoptive parent. He has an incredible story of foster care and adoption kind of on his own. Um, but that Sunday, he felt called to bring that up to his church. He asked his congregation, who will stand with me to defend, care, and support the abused, abandoned, and neglected children in our community? Um, he asked that kind of rhetorically. He wasn't really expecting much, but after a few seconds of silence, um, a lady stood up in the back row and said, Pastor, I will. Slowly, more and more people started um, to stand up and to get on board with that. And so they began working with their community. They began working with their social services. And over, I don't know the exact time frame, but over the next couple of years, they got to a point um, where there were more than enough foster homes in that community, that small county um, in Texas. Even to this day, um, through the work of that church and that community, there are more foster homes than there are kids in foster care. Um, so I know it seems like a big problem. There's a lot of kids. There's not a lot of families. But we serve a God of more than enough. When the Israelites were wandering through the desert and they needed food, God didn't provide not enough manna for them. God didn't provide barely enough for them. God provided more than enough for them. When Jesus was preaching to a mountainside of thousands of people that needed to eat, he told his disciples, find something to feed them. And they came and said, it's too big. There's too many people. We only have these loaves and these fishes. I don't think we can do it. God didn't give them not enough food. God didn't give them just enough food. God turned that into more than enough food. Um, we know and we trust that our God can provide more than enough. Um, and it's bigger than, it's bigger than heritage. It's not something heritage is not going to be able to provide more than enough. Because you see, there's what, 120 chairs in here. There's 150 um, wristbands on that wall. So even if this church was full of people, it wouldn't be enough for every kid. We can't get 100 families or 80 families, whatever the math is, I probably did it wrong, but um, 80 new foster families out of our church. We can't do it. Um, but through relationship, through partnerships with other, other churches, other community organizations, um, I hope, we hope that we can see a day that there's more than enough for the children and families in Lawrence County. Um, so one way that we're going we're gonna to start off with that, we're working on looking into what's already happening at different churches in the community, what other groups are already doing in our county so that we can either support other organizations in what they're doing or identify gaps in where we need to step in um, so that we can bring people together, bring Lawrence County together um, with the diversity of all of our gifts for the common goal of providing more than enough help for the families in Lawrence County and for the children in Lawrence County. Um, so um, the way that we're going to do that, does anybody know how you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Um, so we can't, we can't eat a whole elephant right now, and we're not going to be able to get everything done that we hope to get done in the next year, um, but we're going to start small. We're going to start with something simple, um, and that is prayer. So, in, I'm going to give you some instructions in a second. Jeremy's going to play a song. Again, there's supposed to be a video, but that didn't work out today. Um, so, Jeremy's going to play a song. And if you guys would stand for Stand Sunday, walk over to that wall and grab one of those bracelets. We, we're not, we don't know a lot about the specifics of the kids in foster care. We don't know their names. We don't know their specific stories. 
Um, about half of the kids in foster care in Lawrence County are under six years old. Um, about a quarter of them are seven through 12, and the other quarter are about are, are teenagers. So I'll give you a little bit of context. If you need some stories or more specifics, um, you can come talk to me or Mowgli or Stephen, and we can kind of give you an example of, of a story of a child in foster care if it will help you kind of pray more intentionally. So we want you to grab one of those wristbands, and as you go throughout your week, your day-to-day life, find somewhere to put that. Um, I'm not really a big bracelet-wearing guy, so I have mine on the shifter of my car. So every time I get in my car, I can see that and be reminded to pray for that one child. Um, so if everybody will commit to praying for one child, I think that that can start something um, hopefully really big and really helpful for our community. So, Jeremy will play a song. You guys grab one and then come back to your seats.